Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. The Bills actually have a really important 15-day stretch starting Sunday at the New England Patriots, at home Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then a Sunday night game, a big one in Cincinnati the following week. Welcome into It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove joining you. Of course, Matt on WKBW-TV Channel 7. You can find me at WGR Sports Radio 550. And our sister station in Boston on Odyssey is WEEI, and that's where we find our guy, Andy Hart, who joins us, also the host and co-host of the Six Rings podcast. I hate the name of the podcast because of (laughs) all of the scar tissue from the New England Patriots with the Buffalo Bills over the years. But it's actually a really cool name, and we thank you for joining us, Andy. My pleasure, and um, we're pretty comfortable. We're not going to have to change our name anytime soon. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Let's um, let's start there if we can. I I think what's super interesting to me, Andy, is yeah, the Patriots are one in five. We know they're not playing well, but nobody's talking about really them being one in five here, at least. Mostly, it's been about Bill Belichick, his legacy, the future of the Patriots, the organization. Is that what it's been like for you guys? I mean, yeah, of course you get into the season, but has it been more about big picture or has it been about what's wrong with the offense this year or whatever that is? For about the first month, it was what's wrong with the offense, Mac Jones, talent, Bill O'Brien. Why is he not the savior? Now we've turned the corner towards it's one in five. You're not winning the division. You're not making the playoffs. You're not competing. You're not like the season is over Now it has turned significantly this last week and even a little bit last week about is Bill Belichick done? How does Robert Kraft handle this? Um, The bigger picture, you know, we have fans that are starting to watch more college football and root for (laughs) quarterbacks like, you know, can can we get Caleb Williams or, you know, some the dreams or nightmare of having a top five pick are starting to become reality in Patriot Nation. And, you know, quite honestly, people don't know how to handle it. Obviously, you guys know as well as anyone the success that was here for so long. And then even in recent years, they made it to November, early December with a path to the postseason still possible or just sort of hanging around. This team's not hanging around. This team is bottoming out. And uh, yeah, so it's turned to Belichick and and do you blow it up and who's the next guy and those craft level big picture questions. For the 17 years where the Bills were in a similar position to what the Patriots are going through now, their former GM, Doug Whaley, called it quarterback purgatory, and he took a ton of heat for it, but it was true. They weren't bad enough to ever get a top pick, and they weren't good enough to ever really compete. So they kind of found themselves in the middle there. Do you feel like the fan base has turned? Is this now about let's get a top pick? 
do, are they rooting for losses at this point? I guess is my question. Yeah, I did a local TV show last night, and they did one of those live polls, and it was who do you want? What do you want Malik Cunningham to do on Sunday? And fifty something percent voted start the game, and I truly believe those people were rooting for tanking. Like that's why you'd start Malik Cunningham because, quite honestly, the guy barely practices at quarterback up until the last week. He's been a wide receiver the whole thing, but I think the mindset has changed, and I do think. The last few years, the Cam Newton frustration. Then there was that little blip of positivity. Mac Jones, rookie year, make the playoffs, but you weren't really a playoff team, and the Bills showed that by whooping them like you wouldn't believe. And then the regression of the last year plus with the whole Matt Patricia crap last year and the way Mac just looks like a broken quarterback. And everybody's turned up. Mac does not have a lot of supporters in New England anymore, few and far between. So I do. I think fans are starting to embrace the idea because they've been through it with the Celtics, say. You know, there's been a few tank jobs over the years with the Celtics. Well, you know, know, if you get the guy who's Jason Tatum – Maybe you start the turnaround, and I, so now I think they're looking for their quarterback, and they're, that's why I say I think they're watching some of those big-timers on Saturdays. What has happened to Mac Jones? Great segue, because that was my next question anyway, and you just opened the door. Is it He was, he was pretty good his rookie year. We saw him here. I mean, in that playoff game, he made a great throw. That Obviously, Micah Hyde made an incredible play. Maybe the game is a little yep. different if he hits yep. that, but we saw him here in Buffalo do some nice things in that rookie year, and it's kind of gone downhill since. Yeah, he um I I've said this for a while. I think they broke him last year mm-hmm. with the frustrations and dysfunctions and everybody fixated on his little eruptions in December, but you know, he was saddled with just a strange situation from May straight on through. So I never faulted him by the time December came around for kind of losing his cool. Um and I always said he was watching his career be submarined by what was going on around him and he was you're right. He was on a track pro bowl rookie quarterback who took his team to the playoffs. That's impressive. Yep. And that's tracking towards $200 million in your bank account in a few years and being a franchise QB and everything that comes with that. Last year, he was broken. This year, I thought everybody believed, okay, Bill O'Brien brings competency, stability. The problem is Mac is surrounded by no talent. I mean, if we're being honest, maybe Kendrick Bourne is a pretty good player. Ramondre Stevenson is a good player who's had a terrible start to the season. The offensive line is hellaciously – they couldn't practice, never mind play. Like, they ruined practices with how bad they were. Um, so, you put that in, and then I don't think Mac is – he was never going to be Josh Allen. He was never this stallion that you had to kind of break down and then just harness. He was – his head's his superpower, as Dan Orlovsky would say. He's a game manager. It's accuracy. And that's hard to do when it's just hitting the fan around you. Like literally you got guys, they have the worst receivers in terms of getting open. So he has to hold on to the ball, except they have the worst offensive line in terms of protecting the quarterback. So he's got to get rid of the ball. And it's one of those damned if you do damned, if you don't, and he hasn't reacted well to it. He has made the second quarter against the Cowboys. He melted down. He started just looking like a guy who was overwhelmed, um, you know, like throwing off his back foot late across the field, like things that his brain should have told him never do this, and he was doing it for picks and pick sixes. So, yeah, I believe Bill Belichick and the management in terms of the talent around him and some of the coaching last year has kind of just broken Mac Jones. With the Bills on Sunday Night Football last week against the Giants, we're sitting in the press box and they've got all the 4 o'clock games on, and I'm watching the Patriots-Raiders, and it's a play, I think, in the first half where he's kind of rolling to his right and Hunter Henry is wide open, and he overshoots it. It's an interception. And I remember looking at the people next to me and going, 
he's not going to start next week. Like they're going to sit Mac Jones. Now it feels like he is going to start, but I guess yep. the question is how short's the leash? Like if he throws an interception in the first quarter, is it all right, Malik Cunningham, you're the starter. Like, like how does this work? So uh, that's a great question. And I, I'm not sure Bill Belichick knows how it worked because mm-hmm. last week in Las Vegas, they had Bailey Zappi, who we all know there was a little Zappi fever last year in New England. He played a couple games, won a couple games. Fans started chanting for him in Foxborough. He was the emergency quarterback last week. The backup was Malik Cunningham, who as of four days earlier, Bill O'Brien stood at a podium and told us, well, Malik really hasn't taken many snaps in practice at quarterback. He's mostly receiver. His QB snaps were actually, according to O'Brien, Taysom Hill scout team snaps when he was running the scout team. Then all of a sudden... He's the backup, which I've been covering this team for two decades, and Bill Belichick always beats into your head, the backup is one play away. And so they're saying Malik is one play away, except he only played six snaps. His only stats were a six-yard just jailbreak sack on where he felt like Mac for a minute and not even his athleticism could help him. So I don't know the answer to the leash because, in my opinion – you had uh, Ian Rapport went on NFL media and said, Mac is going to have a short leash, except he didn't really have a backup quarterback. So I actually think he had the longest leash he's had all year because Bailey Zappi, who had replaced him the two previous right. weeks, couldn't come in the game. So I don't know if this is blasphemy to say, I don't know if there was a technical error in the way they submitted their inactives, if Bill screwed something up, but it was one of the strangest situations I've seen in two decades around this team. So is Bailey, if Bailey Zappi is active this week, absolutely, he could play because he played in Dallas, he played against the Saints. But if they do the same thing and Malik Cunningham's the backup, I don't think you can ask Malik Cunningham with what he has to work with and the experience he has to play two quarters or three quarters. So it it is it's a mess. The quarterback situation's a mess right now. It just is. We had um we had a guest on our station on WGR earlier this week who said they have the worst right tackle situation in the NFL. Hmm. How f- close is that to your truth that you think about this team? Oh, I think it's 100% accurate. So let's just use last week's game as a snapshot in Vegas. First play of the game, right tackle Vidarian Lowe, who they acquired from the Vikings um, at cutdowns. So like wasn't here all summer. They had this, my co-host Nick Fitzy Stevens on Six Rings likes to call it a bum fight. They had a bum fight at right tackle, and all of them were bums, so they had to go get more bums at cutdown. <laughs> but Vidarian Lowe started last week's game with a false start. That was his first snap of the day. His last snap of the day was about as embarrassing an effort on Max Crosby for a safety to end any comeback hopes, as you'll see. And everything in between was equally as bad. He stinks. He He's just not good. I feel bad saying that. I, I, I kind of wish him well in the XFL or wherever there's other options now for him, but this has been all year. They they're to the point where they brought back a guy this week that you guys, I think are familiar with Connor McDermott who has bounced. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Connor McDermott, cause they stunk at right tackle all last year too. Isaiah Wynn was sulking and then they had a couple other bodies and then Connor McDermott actually finished the year a year ago with like six starts and Bill Belichick in December said, quote, thank God we have him. And if I'm Connor McDermott, that goes on my tombstone. Bill <laughs> Belichick once said, thank God we have him. Love it. Um, and he may be an option again this week because Riley Reef came back. He got hurt again. <laughs> they just, they have no capable bodies at right tackle. And that's not to say the rest of the line is good. That's just the worst of a bad offensive line. So yes, that is, they probably have, that's probably the worst position in football. 30, you know, if you take all the starting spots, Vidarian Lowe might be in line for the worst position in football. I want to make this incredibly clear. Best is relative. 
who is their best weapon? So if you had asked me that coming into the season, I would have said Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. I thought he might be in line. He had a thousand yards last year and led the team with 69 receptions. I thought he might be in line for one of these like 1800 yards from scrimmage, 2000 yards from scrimmage, but he just, he has not been able to get going again. We're talking about how bad the line is. That's yeah. clearly a part of it. And I think like Mac, he's gotten mentally broken where every time he gets the ball, he's looking for a hole. He's juking, he's dancing instead of just trusting his landmarks, trusting the play, letting it develop. And so if you're going to tell me the here and now who's the best weapon, it, it's got to be Kendrick Bourne. I mean, he had 10 catches on 11 targets last week. He's the only guy that Mac A, trusts, and B, makes plays. Hunter Henry is fine. He's a, you know, competent tight end, but he's not going to make plays. He'll get open and he'll catch the ball at 12 yards and get tackled and, you know, whatever he'll have is 50 yards in a game. But that's the problem. They don't have anybody that is a weapon. They don't have anybody that, the Bills defense and Sean McDermott uh, are going to like, oh, put it on your wristband, find so-and-so. Nope, it doesn't matter who you find because they're all mediocre. Andy Hart from the Six Rings podcast, WEEI, joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Let's go to the other side of the ball. They can still play some defense. And yep. now, obviously, with some injuries, though, that's been a little tougher. Uh, no Matthew Judon, no Christian Gonzalez, two big blows. They brought J.C. Jackson back, but the numbers aren't that bad on defense. They've been kind of holding it together as much as possible. What have you seen from that unit through all of this, even with the offensive struggles? Yeah, I think they're still fighting the good fight. Now, they were better equipped to fight the good fight in weeks one and week two when we were talking moral victories. Oh, you hung right. in there with Jalen Hurts. You forced a turnover. You gave Mac a chance to try to win the game, even though he couldn't do it. You know, it was funny. At that point, we started talking about, oh, is there a worry about divides in the locker room where the defense is like, we keep doing our job, but you guys aren't doing it. And then you got the injuries. And I mean, any defense in the NFL, you take their two best players, yeah. they're in trouble. They're going to take a step back. And Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez were their two best players. But last week, they fought the good fight. Like they bent but didn't break. Um, the Whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or Brian Hoyer, they moved the ball. But yeah, I think they've gotten to the red zone six times, the Vegas Raiders did. You ended up with one turnover, one touchdown, and field goals. That's why you were in the game. That's why Mac is throwing to Devontae Parker deep with a hope that we can get a field goal here. That's why. Um, will it hold up? Because they continue to be banged up everywhere. I'm sure you guys have looked at the 20-person injury report and the six yeah. guys and you know, it's getting yeah, but worse. We see that all the time with Bill Belichick, right? So I that mean, is so true. Yeah. But see, see, this time I think it's real. I think they really <laughs> are really banged up. Um, and it's to the point where a guy like Keon White, their rookie second round pick, who they really like, was supposed to step up for Judon with Judon out. Now Keon White is out. So now you're getting that domino of like all of a sudden you're on the third best guy. The secondary um, at corner is still a mess. That's why they had to bring JC Jackson back, who. You know, he had good times in New England, not necessarily against Stephon Diggs. Diggs seemed to enjoy <laughs> most matchups with J.C. Jackson over yeah. the years. Um, I just, they have a few guys that I really have a lot of respect for. The Kyle Duggars, Jelani Tavai, Jabril Peppers had a huge hit last week to force a turnover. They're still giving it whatever they have on the defensive side of the ball, and it is still the better side of the ball. There's no doubt about that. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think, where do you think is the biggest mismatch for the Bills? Like, is there a particular position where you're like, they could just go? I mean, obviously, for us, it's going to be like, okay, the Bills defense should be able to completely shut down the Patriots offense. But I think there is a couple people here, at least in Western New York, who are like, okay, that defense, though, they can make plays and the Bills offense. They haven't been great the last few weeks. Well, the defense is solid. I wouldn't say it necessarily makes plays. They only have three takeaways all year. Uh, Which is a very big difference from last year, right, Andy? Oh, yeah. They were second in the league with 30, I believe, last year or up near 30. And it's essentially been a part of the Belichick whole style over the years. It's bend but don't break. It's forced some turnovers, and that'll sway the ball game. Um, Don't give up big plays. Well, now – they can't force those turnovers. Jabril Peppers has two massive hits. One led to the pick last week that bounced off Devontae Adams. One was a Jalen Hurts fumble in week one. The only other uh, turnover on the year is a Christian Gonzalez interception. So he's gone. That's wild. And it's just like, That's where? So I, I, I agree on paper. This is one of those games, if you're a Patriot fan and you're just trying to talk yourself into something, it's, well, Josh Allen can be a little loose with the ball at times, but they haven't take advantage, taken advantage of those types of things this year. And the pass rush, as I said, no Judon, no Keon. Like, you're starting to get diminished there. So I don't know if, if that's a – you know, if the Bills kick field goals, they'll probably win the game. Like, they'll probably drive down the field. And normally you say, oh, football, math, you can't keep kicking field goals. No, as long as you don't turn it over, you can kick field goals and beat the Patriots. That's sort of been a, a recipe for success. The real matchup, if I'm a Bills fan, that I'm – sort of lusting after is what we talked about earlier. Just whatever the offensive line is for the Patriots, mm-hmm. go kick the living. I mean, you, what is it? 24 sacks in six games. So you're averaging four sacks a game. I would take the upside on that. All your matchups, the, the interior line, they've, they've had to start rookies in recent weeks at both guard spots, Antonio Maffi and city. So um, you run a couple tackle stunts, twists. It's like, mm-hmm. they've never seen it before. They just look at each other and let both guys run towards Mac Jones for sacks. Like it's, it's been bad on the line, and this is a pretty good pass rush you guys bring to town. Yeah, for sure. I think that was the, the thought last week, too. But obviously, you know, the Giants didn't do a too bad of a job, and they hung into the game as long as possible. But, you know, you're right. The Bills still held them out of the end zone uh, for the entire game. Um, so I just want to go back to the Bill Belichick thing a little bit. And before we let you go, Josh Allen has really done a great job against you know Bill Belichick. He It seems like every time these two teams play, Belichick doesn't have much answer. But I don't – I don't think he's done a good job against a lot of mobile quarterbacks, right? I mean, like, it just feels like that. Has he kind of just been a little bit stuck in the way he wants to create his defense and maybe hasn't evolved enough and that's what's happening? Or is there something else at play here? Because it seems like Justin Fields last year, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, these mobile quarterbacks have done a pretty good job against Bill Belichick. What is the answer to that? Is it really just Bill kind of being stuck? I think it goes back to athleticism, talent, speed. I mean, we had Matt Groh... Two years ago, pre-draft, just talking about, you know, if you want to be a faster team, you have to draft fast players. Right. And I don't know that the Patriots have always put a premium. Even Belichick, going back through the years, for all their strengths, guys like Mike Vrabel were not in the NFL for their speed. They were big, strong, smart, versatile. You got a long way down the list before you said, damn, that guy's a great athlete. And... You know, Jabril Peppers, I would say, great athlete. Kyle Duggar, great athlete. So they've added some of those, but I don't know that there's enough. And I've always thought, even going back to Cam Newton would give this team trouble. Sometimes you just end up with your guy and my guy in the middle of some green grass, and one of them's going to win. And 
you know, and it's no shame. These are great athletes. Like I remember a play a couple of years ago I watched where Lamar actually embarrassed Matt Milano um, on the goal line. And I thought, well, that's something. Cause I think Matt Milano is a pretty damn yeah. good athlete. And he just <laughs> yeah. did that to him. Matt Milano is a better athlete than any linebacker. The Patriots will field, you know, Jawan Bentley or Javon Jelani Tavai, these guys, a Anthony Jennings, they're just not great athletes. They don't have a lot of speed. So I think these matchups and then getting into the Josh Allen one, I kind of want to turn this around you. Yeah. He's been great. Ever since, in my opinion, Bill Belichick told ESPN, Josh Allen's not an MVP candidate. And that got out. <laughs> and am I right to assume maybe, you know, we talk about chips on shoulders and memories. Does Josh Allen still remember maybe that little bit of a slight? Does he still try to prove something to Bill Belichick every time he takes the field against the Patriots, you think? I do. Question. I think yeah. so. I think he's got a list of people who yeah. he knows in the back of his head have like, like, here's a good one, for example. So the Belichick one, Jalen Ramsey, before he ever even played mm. it down in football, did an interview with like GQ and said he was yep. a trash quarterback. And every time the Bills play Jalen Ramsey, he loses his mind. And I think that's just added on to the I think Josh is very much like that, which I think sometimes maybe you got to rein in. But yep. he's the fiercest competitor the Bills have had in recent memory. So obviously, bring that juice. It helps them. Sal, do you agree? And I, yeah, and I'm going to say this, Andy. To me, it's more big picture, too, of I, I really don't know if Patriots fans can ever understand what it still means for the Bills to beat the Patriots, to this fan base, to this organization, yeah. for what they endured for 20 straight years. Yep. You say you've been covering that team for two decades. I've been here and covering this team for a decade, but grew up in Buffalo and watching this and that team and that coach, what they did to this organization here, it will never, ever, ever get old to beat them into oblivion ever. And, <laughs> yeah. and that has been pounded into every yep. single person's head that walks through these halls and walks through this building. It doesn't mean the same to the Patriots fan base. They did it to everyone. The bills were just like, ah, they would stomp mm -hmm. on the feet. Like the old thing, the cartoon, ah, get down there, stay in your hole. Right. But now the, the shoe is turned and I'm telling you, this is something this fan base and this organization revels in. It's why, to me, Sean McDermott embarrassed Bill Belichick on national TV in the perfect game, we call it, and was throwing to an offensive tackle already up four scores. Hmm. Interesting. That That is interesting because, you know, I do think from a Patriots perspective, even from an internal Patriots perspective over the years, the Jets were always the team that was different because of the whole Belichick mm -hmm. border war, the, every, everything that went into that rivalry. And, you know, it was just like the Bills. Yeah, Brady owns the Bills and the winning streak <laughs> and all that. But it's interesting to sort of see the the reverse side of that, reverse engineer it. And uh, whatever it is, it's working for Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Every time they play now, they put up numbers and they get the job done. Well, the Andy, Patriots still beat the Jets a lot, though, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. And, Andy, the last one for me. Does he get the record? Does he even get a chance to get the Ooh. record? Is he and around he long New enough? England. Yeah, like what happens? So um, I have now reached the point. I will be surprised if Bill Belichick's the coach of the Patriots next year. I've just reached that point. I don't, That's you know, amazing. you mentioned wake up call, the idea that um, there could have been a wake up call a few years ago for Belichick. The wake up call to me is no longer on the Belichick level. It's on the craft level. And Robert has said a lot of things in recent years about wanting to get back to the playoffs. I expect to be a contender every year. Well, not only are you not a contender, you're going in the wrong direction. You're going from competitive we called it the middle meh where, yeah, maybe you weren't a contender, but you were competing. And now you're you're the black. You're at the bottom of the league. You're you're down with the really bad teams looking at draft picks come October. And Robert Kraft has never lived this life. And I don't know that people understand that never as owner of the New England Patriots. He took over 
It was Parcells and Bledsoe and credibility. He didn't live the Rod Rust, Dick McPherson era of the early 90s. And I don't think this is setting well for the 82-year-old owner. And Jonathan Kraft, who will take over the organization, can be a very competitive, um, reactionary, volatile person. And I just think the way this has gotten ugly, and very specifically the last two prior to last week, they lose to Jerry Jones. They get embarrassed. And, and I say lose to Jerry Jones, not the Cowboys, mm -hmm. not the Dallas. They have a frenemy relationship with Jones where it's always competing. And to get embarrassed at AT&T Stadium and then a week later to come home and in the second half get embarrassed by a mediocre Saints team to the point where Patriots fans are leaving. He's looking out his luxury box window and there's taillights getting on Route 1 merging in there from Gillette Stadium. These leaves mar these leave marks with him. So, yeah, I don't know the exit strategy. I don't believe he'll be fired midseason. I, I I can't envision Robert firing him midseason, but somehow, some way, whether it's packaged as a retirement, resignation, mutual parting of ways, I just I think somebody else is going to be running the Patriots next year. By the way, I am very much alike with Robert Kraft. I too did not live the Dick McPherson era. I was a freshman at Syracuse the year after he left and Paul Pasqualoni took over. Although he was a really good coach at Syracuse, Dick McPherson. Yep, yep. I'll say that about him. Um, and look, at, feel free to use this on your show. You don't have to. But I'm just going to tell you, the way I've described Belichick over the last two years is he's Brooks from Shawshank Redemption. He got out of the prison. He was institutionalized by having Brady for so long. The world went and got itself in a big damn hurry and he didn't catch up to it. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. That is feel free. I may use that. I may steal okay. that. You Do got I have to it. Credit you? <laughs> no, you can just say you can say this is what they're saying in Buffalo. It's all good. Hey, Andy, thank you so much. We went a little long with you on the podcast, and I know you got your own podcast. Six Rings is what they call it over there in Boston. It's the Odyssey podcast, like we have here in Buffalo, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Andy, great stuff. Thank you so much. My pleasure, and I'm kind of just hoping for a competitive game on Sunday, but I don't feel great about it. <laughs> We'll see. And then, of course, and by the way, real quick, Matt, Matt, you pointed out the stat. Tell them the Bills schedule coming up and the Patriots and how it relates to them, which is okay. amazing. So the Bills, the rest of the season have two one o'clock games left. That's so it. The Bills two become, one o'clock Sunday games. That's it. They're both against the Patriots. So I think the networks are like, hey, we want to see the Bills. We just don't want to see the Patriots. So it feels yeah. like how the tides have Isn't turned. Amazing? I, guess. I, I guess if it's a terrible season, it's that's the one saving grace for me is you're done with work by like seven o'clock at night. No more of those like 3 a.m.s when you, you know, doing a post game show. So, hey, exactly. I guess I'll take it. So right. it's all great, man. Thank you again. Thanks so much, hey guys. Thank okay, you. You got it. That is Andy Hart of W.E.E.I. and also the Six Rings podcast. All right. Let's talk bills and uh, what's going on this week with the team.